So I wanted to introduce those groups because of the topic tonight, to this morning, which is we need each other. And the take-home point from today is that when we actually live like we believe that we need each other, then God is glorified. And I'm going to start with the end vision. Um, and that's a picture that we find in the very last book of the Bible in Revelation chapter 7. And I'm going to read from 9 to 12. And it's a picture of what happens or what heaven, a part of what heaven looks like. So if you want to join me reading Revelation 7 verse 9 to 12. I looked again. Now the eye here is John who's having the vision. I saw a huge crowd, too huge to count. Everyone was there. All nations and tribes, all races and languages. Can you just stop and picture that for a moment? (laughs) That is incredible. All, like the variety that that includes. All nations and tribes and and races and languages. And they were standing dressed in white robes and waving palm branches, standing before the throne and the Lamb and heartily singing, salvation to God on the throne, salvation to the Lamb. Now, these are obviously people then that get that this is what life was about for them. This Jesus, this lamb on the throne that is before them right now, they get it, that they were saved, their lives were redeemed by the lamb. And all who were standing around the throne, so now this is all heavenly beings included, angels, elders, animals, fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, singing, Oh, yes, the blessing and the glory and the wisdom and thanksgiving, the honour and power and strength to our God forever and ever. It's this whole sense of everyone in the room gets who God is and they are in one place. They are one people worshipping And I just think it must be the most incredible kind of atmosphere to be in if we were in that place. But I do think that that is a picture of where we are going and where we are heading for and what we can look forward to. Because if you think about it, that is really what heaven is. The human condition is not one that loves to embrace differences. You know, I come from a country which is hated for, uh, among, for the, the atrocities of apartheid where, you know, races were segregated and one was advantaged and the other one was disadvantaged and it's awful. But then it was quite interesting to me when Trent and I have had the opportunities to travel around the world and to realise, well, actually, it's actually the human condition everywhere we went racism was alive and well in just one shape, way, one way, shape or form. And that's because we as humans, our, our humanly tendency is to want to create us and them groups and to want to be with like-minded people that all think the same as us and are all the same as us. It's not 
our natural desire to want to embrace differentness and diversity. So when we see that heavenly picture of every tribe, nation, tongue, race, language together in worship, what we're seeing is heaven and what we can aim for on earth is that picture of heaven breaking through because we believe that the kingdom of God breaks through on earth. So wherever you see people of diverse backgrounds, nations, heritages joining together in unity, what you're seeing is a glimpse of heaven. Now, can we brag a little bit? Because at Pine River's Vineyard, do you know that we have about, I think I heard Nick saying about 19 different nationalities that worship at our church. So these are some of the ones that I could just remember off the top of my head. I've only got 16 there though, so I'm gonna, I might ask you to shout out if I've forgotten yours. We've got American, Australian, Chinese, English, Finnish, Greek, Iranian, Japanese, New Zealanders, Malaysian, Pakistani, Filipino, Samoan, Scottish, South African, and Taiwanese. Have I left anyone out? No? Irish. Thank you. Okay. Sorry. Oh, I think I might have done it. That might have been a faux pas. Okay. So, yes. We, what we are seeing just in this very fact is that we are actually seeing a glimpse of the kingdom of God at work. Because where else do you see this kind of diversity of nations working together in unity and love? You might see it like in workplaces and that, but not necessarily seeing the unity part of it. So we have something of heaven in this church. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? And that's the work of Jesus in us. And when we see that, we see that the power of God to unify his creation is being made visible. So I want to zoom in a little bit to that, from that big picture into a slightly smaller picture. And I want to start to unpack some of the cogs of what might make that vision come to be, of what brings heaven to earth um, to lead to that kind of thing happening. So the vision in Revelation um, talks about the church um, and its diversity. But then it's interesting when you go back to, let's go back to, that's the end picture. Let's go back to the beginning picture where the church began. And interestingly enough, you may remember something of that day that you've read about where Pentecost happened. And I'll read from Acts um, verse 1 to 4, just to give you a flavor of what happened that day. When the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. That's the disciples. Um, And a lot of the Jews as well were there. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks, and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. So isn't it interesting that right at the beginning, when the church began, after Jesus had left the earth physically, um, we had this multinational thing going on again. 
there, there's more that you can read about that in Acts 2, but basically people were quite confused and said, what's going on? Isn't this weird that we can all understand each other? And are people drunk? No, this is actually wonderful. You know, so it's, it was a very interesting and unusual phenomenon. Skip over a few verses and we get to what happened um, where Peter was anointed by the Holy Spirit and he began to preach really powerfully. And so what we then had was all these people, and the number was increasing very, very rapidly, needing to meet together to continue this thing that had started. So in Acts 2 verse 42 to 47, we read that that day about 3,000 took him at his word, were baptized and signed up. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, and the prayers. Everyone around was in awe. All those wonders and signs done through the apostles and all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. Every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. People in general liked what they saw, and every day their number grew as God added to those who were saved. So after this wonderful working of God to bring the beginnings of a church together... What did people do? They met together daily. They ate together. They drank together. They prayed. They worshipped. They listened to teaching. Does that sound familiar? They engaged in generous giving. And many were added to their number daily. So, but then it didn't really stay like this, so it actually expanded into more diversity because later on the church was persecuted and what that meant was down the line... Non-Jews ended up being invited into this amazing work of God too. So it spread into even more diversification now, not just the Jews, but those who were actually people outside of the Jewish faith who wanted to know more about God. And then still later, we got Paul, um, who was one of the greatest builders of the church, and he actually talked about these differences, and he, said, he actually said, it's okay, everybody. It's okay that we're different. In fact, God made us that way. We were wired to have different spiritual giftings, to have different um, ministries, and he actually says we need to celebrate how we are gifted differently but that it's all under the service of one God. So he writes in Corinthians 12, verse 2, from verse 12, there's the famous passage about one body, many parts. And I'll just read this little part of it. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. If you skip on a few verses to verse 18, but our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. So God intended for us to be different, but we're also stronger for those differences. 
Now, I love um, the example that Alpha was of this. So just recently, Alpha course has just come to an end now. But I just loved seeing how God took people with different giftings. We started off with Dave, who you've heard preaching up here. And man, is he good at teaching and drawing people in and explaining Jesus to people. But he was a self-confessed person who said, I don't like doing the admin. (laughs) So we had Miriam come in, and Miriam is so good. And she just, from the word go, she had laptops, she had screens, she had everything going, and she just helped that flow to go. Meanwhile, we needed somewhere that people could feel welcomed, and who better than Tony and Leanne's house? And you know, some people, when we've talked to people sometimes about hosting, home groups, there's a little bit of anxiety about, oh, what I'm going to have to tidy the house and everything. No, Tony and Leanne not like that. They have a house that they're dying for people to come to and they want to entertain people and they love doing it. And when they came in, we went for one or two, they made you feel so welcome. It was just wonderful. You were just part of their home. And so what would Alpha have been like without them? And then And then we needed to have food. And this was an issue for all the people that were there because how none of us had ever done this kind of catering thing and where were we going to do it and how were we going to do it? And along comes Heather. And Heather's done it before. And you know what? She is so good at it. And people told us the meals, the meals at Alpha were gold because even when I started talking to people about what happened at Alpha, They said, oh, it was so good just to chat around a meal. And you know, the ministry of the Holy Spirit was around those meals as well as in the teaching. This was where people just got to come in, relax, share stories, enjoy one another's company, and then move into all that God had planned for the evening. You know, just with each of those people and very, very different giftings, I would not have thought about asking in any one of them to do something that the other one was doing because it wouldn't have been a joy for them. (laughs) But what they were doing was doing the things that they found fulfilling and life-giving and that helped them to serve the body. And as a result, look, the church was strengthened. We had an alpha course. We had a course in this church that reached out to people who needed to know more about Jesus. And so Jesus and the gospel was preached because of our differences coming together, working in unity. So we do need each other. And the more we celebrate and embrace the different strengths in our diversity and that that brings to the church, the more aspects of Jesus we reflect and the more of him is made visible to the world. So second little cog that I'll go into about how do we bring this heavenly picture onto earth of every tribe, nation and tongue worshipping God is that we need each other to learn to do relationships like Jesus does. Now, some of you, I think many of us actually here, will have seen how dwelling together in that diversity that we all bring yields some amazing life-giving treasures. When we actually, when we are, when we experience spiritual rebirth in Jesus, we actually are born into a new family too. We are born into a spiritual family, and that is 
the church. So the church becomes like family, a second family. And for those who come from broken or dysfunctional families, this can be a second chance to actually experience what God intended family to be. Having in the church mothers, fathers, brothers, and sisters who love us unconditionally, for some, that's the first time they ever experience that. And I actually know that there are a number of people um, sitting here today who would testify to that. So this idea of family, I want to just kind of raise the point that that tends to happen in smaller groups. We meet together here in this church hall, essentially, um, once on a Sunday, but not all of us are connected to each other. And so in the smaller groups is where we find that more meaningful connection with people, which is why I asked the kinship group leaders to just introduce their groups to you this morning, because those are the kinds of groups. It's not only kinship, it can happen in other ways too, but just really a clustering of people who choose to do life together and who choose to be in relationship with each other rather than just being acquaintances on a Sunday. Somewhere where there are open lines of communication, where we're free to speak into each other's lives, where we're free to ask questions about the hard stuff, and where we really just get to flesh out the teachings of Jesus together. Now, that spiritual journey and that family can lead to a, a great... Uh, way of encouraging one another and spurring one another on. I have a story um, just in our kinship. I think there was one moment that stands out in my thinking of when I was just, you know, when you say you, you, you what? I actually can't think of the saying now. But anyway, um, I was loved so overwhelmingly. Um, we actually had an evening, and I can't remember what it was. It was something to do with praying and caring for each other and ra- people randomly being uh, thrown into the middle of the room to be prayed on, and everybody prayed for them and kind of gave words from God and stuff. And I think we were doing the rounds in the room, and I happened to be preaching the next day. And I remember the kinship said, oh, Karen, you're preaching. Let's, let's pray for you. And I, was, I thought, that's great. And uh, yes, please. And I just remember everyone coming around me and just praying the most amazing and beautiful things over me. And and my heart was filled up and I was so loved by the group in, in the prayers that came to me that I was incredibly buoyed up. And I just, I remember leaving that group thinking, wow, God, you know, I don't mind preaching. I I love preparing things that you might be saying and delving into things, but it's like you just wanted me to to just be loved in doing the stuff that you were calling me to do. And that was through the people around me. You just said, oh, we want to bless you. Um, But that will stand out in my head forever as a way that I was so incredibly loved. Um, And it was unexpected too. I interviewed a few people who did 
Alpha, and I've talked to various, uh, a, very, a few of you about your experiences of you know, being in groups and things like that. Um, I just want to read this, but I've transcribed a video that Tim actually spoke about. So he... Um, Goes to, he went to he goes to encounter. So not all of you might know him, Tim O'Sullivan, and uh, he he and Miriam um, are together. Um, and so he just said, sitting down and getting to know people I hadn't met, having a meal with them, sharing stories, and then going into the ministry part of it. You really get to know the faith of everyone else in the room. There were things in there that I hadn't realized were part of the discussion about faith and about my own particular faith. I'd often just considered them a personal human thing, whereas by seeing the instructional videos and talking with others, I learned that not only am I not alone in this, but it is some, this is something my faith directly addresses and deals with and helps with. That was the biggest revelation for me. Basically figuring out that God's reach is bigger than I even thought it was before I went into it. Isn't that amazing? And that is the power of being in groups and sharing your spiritual journeys together and sharing your stories. It's also in that group space that we can experience inner healing because we experience the grace of others towards us or we experience the care of others, or we experience the prayers of others when we're navigating difficult circumstances in life. But, actually, I am going to say this little part here. Another thing about just being in that group that does life together is it becomes fam- a, God, a God-like family is a safe place. And so it becomes a place where we can actually really learn to experiment with the giftings that God has given us. Um, Trent tells the story quite happily of how he, you know, he's, he leads worship now at our church. But his journey began in a small group where he was just learning to play guitar. And he was really inspired by these other guys that played guitar really well. And they were in a small group. And he joined the small group. And then... One thing led to another, and he got invited to play during worship in the small group. And he laughs about the fact that the first few times when he tried to lead, he would play chord after chord after chord after chord with no singing because he just could not find that starting note. (laughs) And that was okay because he was with friends and they could all laugh about it. And it was a great place to just learn to do that stuff that he is gifted to do, but he had to have that ground to be able to find his feet in it and just practice to sit a bit and where it's okay because you're among friends if anything goes wrong. I remember once um, we were praying for someone in our kinship group as well. I think it was their birthday and I was just, we had been doing a study on the, the person of the Holy Spirit and I remember thinking, we were praying for this and I, th- I said to the group, I have this thing that I feel like it's in my heart and maybe it's the Holy Spirit and maybe it's tongues. I don't know, but I'm going to try it. But this could go horribly wrong, so just bear with me. So I kind of did the thing. I just opened my mouth and let whatever come out. 
I would never have done that in church, but I was amongst friends. And I spoke out, I just kind of had that um, safety to just try it and it was okay if it was going to just be gobbledygook. But actually what happened was after I'd done that, people gave me feedback. That, as you said that part, I could feel something in my spirit. And, and as you said that, I thought about this. I think this is what God was saying when you said that. And so I was encouraged. It didn't necessarily feel like anything supernatural to me, but it was just me having that safety within family. And because I had relationship with these people and I was doing life with these people to give it a go. But as you know, we don't always get along in families, in our biological families or our spiritual families. I read this rhyme the other day. To live above with saints in love, oh, that will be the glory. To live below with saints I know, now that's a different story. (laughs) Yet living together in unity is something that God purposely urges us throughout scripture. He urges us to live together in unity. The kingdom is inclusive, not exclusive. And there's a reason why he designed it that way. Because when we come into conflict or difficulty with people, then we find ourselves in a place that we can grow. something about me. I'm a much, much nicer Christian when I'm alone. (laughs) It's only when I'm with people that you can see that I'm selfish or unkind or impatient or I lack gentleness. (laughs) But when I'm alone, I'm actually a really good Christian. (laughs) And the truth is that others have this way of revealing problems in me. And I need those exposures to grow up. And the good news is that when we are in family, where we are in that safe place of godly love, we actually might find ourselves with mentors, people who have done that bit of growing up before and can help us along the way of moving through that. And we can also find ourselves with people who are happy to be, um, that we can be accountable to. So that we, because we know that they love us and they do life with us, we can say, hey, I actually do see that I have that blind spot. Can you help me? Can you check in with me every so often? And we can just check that I'm moving past that blind spot and just you can help me see the things that I'm not seeing. Being accountable to one another is so much easier when we are doing life in relationship with others and we can move into the freedom that God intends for us. Now, I do think that there's a balance to find in our relationships with one another in the body of Christ. Trent and I once had this piece of wise teaching, which we actually still refer to now, and that is that at any given time in my life, I need to have Three people who inspire me, who disciple me, and who build me up and feed me spiritually. 
at the same time, at any given time in my life, I need to have three people who I inspire, who I am discipling, and who I am building up and growing. And we find that if at any stage we have an imbalance, I mean, it's not hard and fast, it's a guideline, that if we're only sowing into people's lives, if we're only giving and no one is giving into our lives, we'll find ourselves running out of steam pretty quickly. But if we are only receiving and only having people build into our lives and pray for us and feed us, then we are probably not growing. So there is this thing of we need each other, both the people who are easy to love and the not so easy to love. And when we live like we believe that, then we grow into healthier and more mature relationships and we show the world the love of Jesus. So I'm going to go into the last one, the third one that I'm going to talk about today, and that's we need each other to show the world a better story. That love that I was talking about, that takes us into this truth here. So I'm going to read to you John 13, verse 34 to 35. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Just this week, I had um, a wonderful opportunity, actually. So um, I had a manager in the UK when I worked in the UK. Uh, She was one of those managers who was really scary when you first met her, but we ended up really working well together. Um, And I really learned so much from her. Anyway, she was over in Australia on holiday. And um, so one thing led to another and we ended up connecting up for for coffee. And um, it was on reflecting on, I, I got a text from her this morning, which is what prompts me telling you this story. So in our conversations, we just did a bit of catch up. I mean, this is seven years ago that I worked for her. Um, and she, she was just saying, oh, Karen, you know, I'm just, I'm nearing retirement now. I'm tired. I'm tired of fighting for the profession. I'm just tired. I just like, you know, I'm ready to move on to, you know, owning a cake shop. So <laughs> she was just kind of talking about a lot of the hard stuff that she had been through. And I said to her, oh, do you know, well, I just, if you're feeling like that, because she still has to go back to her job, in fact, that would be this coming week that she's starting up again, I just want to encourage you that when I worked with you, I learned so many good things from you that I'm still using today in my practice. And so I started to list off, and I could think of a few things jumped to mind. You know, you taught me that, and that thing, you know, I'm using that now. And you told me this thing once, and I've never forgotten it. And I remember when you worked through that really difficult case with me, and I had to learn about this thing when you're dealing with people. That has stuck with me for the rest of my career. And she said, oh, well, thank you, good. You know, that's really good. And, and um, so that was just the end of the conversation and we continued. But we, she sent me a text uh, the other day, well, sorry, I got it this morning, 
And she just said, thank you for your kind words. I was very encouraged. Where did I learn that? I learned that because I receive encouragement every single week from the group that I meet with in the church. And because this is just bread and butter for us, we encourage and love one another. And so it's easy. It just becomes part of our normal language to encourage and love and bless and lift up and pray. And my manager doesn't know Jesus. And in fact, I just I threw in a little thing in our conversation. We were talking about people with a certain condition. And I said, you know, they just need church. They need to be in a church. That's where they'll be loved and they'll get all the stuff that they're really looking for. And she said, yes, you know, I think you're right. She said, I wish church you know, just had that part and not all the other parts to it. <laughs> and, you know, that, then I might consider going if it didn't have all the other parts. <laughs> anyway, I had prayed before I met with her that the Holy Spirit would just be part of our conversation. And the thing is, what she sees is that someone in the church is encouraging. What she sees is that the church is a good place for people who are having a hard time. What she also sees is that a friend of mine who's, who now works under her, um, not when I was working there though, is also a Christian, and she loves that employee. So she just sees, she's seeing Jesus through our love and encouragement. And you know what? That's what the world really needs. The world right now is in a turmoil of unhealthy relationships. And we have the answers to that in Jesus. You know, we've got fatherless families all over the shop. We've got... um, domestic violence happening left, right, and center. These are people that don't know how to do family. We've got young people making relationship choices, having not seen fruitful and loving and faithful marriages that last for the long haul. So they're not seeing what the fruit of committed and faithful relationships are. We've got We've got society now deciding that, well, family's not really working and it's all a bit too hard, so we're just going to re-engineer the structuring of families and what families and marriage looks like. But that's not aligning with what God has told us is the good recipe for a good life. We've got people who are pursuing the the trophies relentlessly of self-sufficiency and independence because that's what the world tells us you need to make it only to find themselves spiritually and relationally empty which is a beautiful little petri dish for breeding depression and ultimately if that's not curbed at any stage then suicide we the church of jesus we the body of christ show the world a better way Because these truths that Jesus teaches us about loving one another and meeting together and how to treat each other and treating each other like family and persevering, they are sound and good truths. They are not just for a season. They have been proven since the beginning of time over and over and over and will continue to be proven right until eternity. And we need to pay attention to them because in those truths that Jesus gives us are the keys to a good and fruitful life. 
even the truths we don't like, about loving the people that we don't like, and about giving generously, about being forgiving, and about being kind. Do you know how many people in my kinship, there's probably more than I can count on one hand, go or interact with families that don't know Jesus. And so they go out from wherever, you know, their lives, we meet together, but when they go back out, they ha- the real deal is that they have to deal with families who are difficult. You know, parents who are unreasonable or condemning or controlling or siblings that are poisonous or... Um, or just various different relatives that are various different difficult things and really that where there's quite clear brokenness. But, you know, they come into this place, the sanctuary where Jesus is, where the people of God are, and time and time again, it doesn't happen every time, but every now and then we get the stories about, you know, we prayed for my dad well, this is what happened in that interaction. Or, you know, I had to go and spend a holiday with those people, those relatives of mine. Well, guess what? It went well. And so we get to show Jesus to the world, but we, we need each other to buoy each other up to do those things and to be filled up so that we can go out. Isn't it interesting that in that Acts um, passage, so we talked about... Pentecost and then preaching and then all the believers gathered together and they did life together. Right, The next story that comes out of that in Acts is Peter and John went, they were just walking along their way, got to the city gate and they met the beggar at the city gate who couldn't walk. And they said, we can't give you any money, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And it never occurred to me that that wonderful sign and wonder and that wonderful expression of the love of Jesus for that man came out of Peter and John being in fellowship with the believers daily, eating together, praying together, worshipping together, listening to teaching together, giving generously. That's where that was birthed out of. Something really dynamic happens when we start to believe that we need each other and we start to unify in Jesus. Because Jesus says, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And so he begins to empower us when we are together in groups, worshipping him, honouring him. And things come out of that that we can't really contain that end up impacting the world around us. So remember that picture of all nations in Revelation, all nations, all tribes, all tongues, all languages, standing together in their white robes, worshipping. Well, I didn't give you the end of the story. So we're going to read the rest of it. Um, Revelation 7, verse 13 to 17. So just then one of the elders addressed me, Um, So that's me, John, who's having the vision. Who are these dressed in white robes and where did they come from? 
Taken aback, I said, oh, sir, I have no idea, but you must know. <laughs> then he told me, those who come, uh, these are those who come from the great tribulation. And they've washed their robes, scrubbed them clean in the blood of the lamb. That's why they're on the throne. Sorry, that's why they're standing before God's throne. They serve him day and night in his temple. The one on the throne will pitch his tent there for them. No more hunger, no more thirst, no more scorching heat. The lamb on the throne will shepherd them. He will lead them to spring waters of life. And God will wipe every last tear from their eyes. So what we get from some of this information, if you read between the lines, is that somewhere for these saints, there would have been hunger and thirst, scorching heat and tears. Yet, these were the faithful ones doing all that God had called them to do in their time on earth. And their journey ended in the waters of life, dwelling with God as his people in a place of joy. So to get to that picture of heavenly unity, we may need to be tenacious at times because they could be cost. Valuing this community of believers that Jesus has called and that here Jesus has called Pine River's Vineyard might mean that we actually have to prioritise some things. Busyness is a disease, and I've got the disease, and many of you have got the disease. Busyness affects all of us these days, but sometimes in our busyness we have to shift things around to choose to actually willingly and meaningfully engage with the community of believers in our church because that's where life is. That's where we get fueled for the week. That's where we get to make an impact on each other and on the world. There is someone in our kinship group who travels 40 minutes every time from the south side to get to our group. And she is a very busy person. And she has a very demanding job. But she makes that commitment each time we meet because she knows the treasure and the life that is in meeting with the saints, meeting with the believers and being encouraged. The cost of digging into relationship in, and into the community of believers at Pine Rivers Vineyard might mean that we need to value relationship over independence or isolation. And that's not always easy but Jesus never said it would be. And valuing community here might mean that we have to value impacting our community for Jesus over being comfortable. And it's much easier to do that when you're doing it with friends. We really need each other. We need to live like we believe that we need each other and that if we do that we are going to impact the world 
through our unity in Jesus and through our tenacity in following the ways of Jesus. We are his people. We need Jesus and we need each other. We need each other in our differentness to strengthen this body of Christ here amongst us on the earth. We need each other to learn how to do relationships well because the world needs that. And we need each other in order to show the world a better story. And when we live like we believe that, then God is glorified. And so are we, ultimately. So I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit lead me as to where we go next and what he's been saying. Jesus, I just thank you. We've just celebrated communion this morning, which is the celebration of how your body was broken for us and how your blood was poured out for us. And yet that brokenness turned back into wholeness. And you see us as your hands and feet, as, as your representation of you on this earth. And so although we are broken in many ways, God, you provide the keys and the vehicle to make an impact, to be more whole, and to be one under you. And so, Jesus, I ask that you would come and, and bring even greater unity to this church. And I thank you for how much there is already of that, Lord. I love this church. I love the love in this church. And I know you do too. But we just say more of that, Lord. More. Would you knit us together as family? Would you knit us together to be in true community with one another? To be living the way the disciples lived in, um, in just sharing life together. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd begin to break down, and I know you already are doing this, so it's not just a beginning work, but break down those things that our culture sets up that don't flow with the idea of community. Would you break down lies that tell us that we don't need anyone else? Would you break down lies that tell us we can pick and choose the nice people to be with in our lives and, and not move into those places of growth. And would you help us, Holy Spirit? Help us. Thank you, Lord. I want to strongly encourage you after that just to... If you're not already connected in a group somehow or another, to consider joining in, in a place where you can get to be real and do life with others in a real way, sharing the faith, 
of following Jesus with one another. Um, one of the things that you'll see in your... So the kinship groups are the one way that you can do that, and anyone is welcome, as you've heard. Um, another thing that we're actually starting, it's a new initiative. Um, you'll see in your notices there's something called small group home delivery. So if a kinship is not something that you can find yourself at for one reason or another, you get to have a little game to play here. So what that is, is we've, we've arranged some teams of worship leaders and teachers. And um, if you can gather a group of four or more people at a venue of your choice, we will provide you with a teacher and a worship leader so that you can have home group at your house which will probably be the venue of choice. Um, and we will do that for four weeks. So you will have four weeks where you get services delivered to your home. <laughs> so have a think about that. You'll hear more about it in, coming up, in upcoming weeks. That begins on the 1st of August. So that will be when the first teams kick off. Um, so you need to get to us, get back to me or Trent before then. But if you are interested, do come and speak to us. We can only cater for four groups. So get in quick before you lose out. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to also just invite you up to um, come. If anything, if the Holy Spirit has been talking to you about anything, and I do think that even just this topic, we need each other. It can bring up all sorts of things for people. And so if there's anything that the Holy Spirit is talking to you about um, or just that you need to chat to him about or you need prayer for, please do come up and receive prayer and, let's, and, and don't walk away from here without doing business with God.